Okay, okay. So February is here. We're close to CNY. For you Chinese folks, happy Chinese New Year. And I think more people are slowly warming up to the new year and trying to kind of hit a home run this year again, right? I'm settling down from all year-end festivity, but chill, right? Don't be in a hurry. But we have decided that since it is a good time, we're going to talk a little bit about investing well, since everybody's more settled down. And for the month of February, that is our theme. And I will be sharing with you three property themes that I will be investing using REITs. Yes, um, REITs is a security, but I do believe that you need to focus on the property fundamentals before investing in any REITs, right? And on top of that, it is a security. But before that, property first. Welcome home. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we'll be debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. And today, we're going to spend some time to talk about three property themes that I'll be investing in 2021 and beyond. So if you've been following the podcast, you know that I've been wanting to build a REITs portfolio for a while now. But I haven't gotten down to it until December 2020, right? Because before that, I was a little occupied with so many different things and uh, creating all this content and managing a company and whatnot, right? Finally, year end, everybody's lethargic. Nobody really wants to do much. So I capitalized on that time. I took a few weeks to really look into some of these companies, uh, some of these REITs in the Singapore Exchange. And I have built a small little portfolio of 15,000 Singapore dollars, right? And I do hope that in five years' time, I'm going to compound and uh, keep adding money to reach about a six-figure, like a 100,000 portfolio. And that should be enough for a really, really long time because I don't spend a lot. <laughs> Think about it. If my REITs portfolio can get me about 5 to 6% with 100,000, I could easily get 6,000 and that is more than enough for me to travel around, backpack in Vietnam, Myanmar, Malaysia, whatever, right? So in Southeast Asia, it should be pretty simple. Unless I've decided to buy a house and settle down, then uh, things may be a little different by then. But as of now, okay, I think that's a fair goal, fair goal. And I'm sure it's uh, REITs are extremely popular product in Singapore. Many of you probably own some, whether are you using a robo, whether are you using like an ETF or whether you just directly buy some of these REITs. Uh, I'm sure it's um, very popular. Lah. <laughs> and I legit think that it is because Singaporeans have this serious fascination of owning a property, right? And um, of course, uh, the dividend yield is uh, pretty decent. And of course, we don't tax dividends. So it is very okay for some of these companies to give out dividends, right? And so this phenomenon exists and I think there are many uh, explanations. I won't go on the route of trying to find the cause of it, but generally there is this phenomenon. 
And for those who have no clue um, about REITs, I think you can check out episode 54, Three REITs Concept to Level Up Your Game. I love that episode. It should give you a much better idea as to what we're going to talk about, right? Uh, but essentially, a REIT is a group of properties put together in a company form, right? And then they sell the shares of that company, right? So indirectly, you own a proportion of the property. Of course, if you want to go technical with me, yeah, it's a trust, it's not a company, blah, blah, blah. But generally, you get the idea, right? In the concept of understanding things from a share's perspective, you're owning a part of the company. And then the company takes this money and go on a shopping spree and buy all these different um, properties, right? And you own a part of the property and you own a part of the rental yield of that property. And I think uh, because REITs are so popular, there are a lot of people that write you know, various articles about it. And I think um, there's a series of articles that Sudan wrote uh, on Seedly. And I think uh, he has given his metrics as to what does he look for in a different read. And I won't delve deeper into the nitty-gritty, but you can go and take a look at his articles, Sudan from Seedly, um, you know, talk about reads, all the reads. He has evaluated everything from things like price-to-book ratios, dividend yield, gearing ratios. All those are important and they are important at the reads level because you're owning a read. It's a security. But we cannot forget, right, that under the read, it is a bunch of properties, right? And today, that's where I'm going to focus on, right? Of course, I'm not saying that gearing ratio, you know, dividend yield, book price to book, all those are not important. They are they're important, very important, you know. But before we get to all those valuations of the REITs, right, I want to talk about the property themes. And to me, that forms a fundamental of, you know, a REIT. You cannot forget that you are investing in properties using a REIT, okay? So, so that is where I come from. And before we go into the themes, I want you to know that this is for entertainment and education purposes. It is not a recommendation. Under no circumstance should you take this as a recommendation of any form. Okay, so point number one. My first theme that I'm investing in is the resilience of neighbourhood mall traffic in Singapore. So I think by now you should have already observed that the malls in your neighbourhood are still packed. Right? Like the food traffic is very steady. For like a better way to put it, I think uh, the food traffic has went up quite a bit, right? Since uh, phase two, since phase three. And for whatever reason, I won't speculate, right? But there's just a lot, a lot of people. And there are honestly only two major mall REITs in Singapore. Of course, some of these other REITs have also some malls. Um, and at the moment, I have both of them. <laughs> They're all sold down during the COVID situation. The financials also reflect that decline in rental yield um, because I think they've given out rental rebates during the lockdown period. Essentially, they're trying to keep these guys from leaving the mall and they just tell you like, okay, you don't pay rent, nah, you stay on. Nah. And then when the malls open up, then let's see how it goes. Lah. And clearly, um, it works. Lah. Right? As a landlord, if you want to keep your tenants during tough times, you lower your rent or you just give them free and they stay on. And they stayed on and now more traffic has, you know, rolled back. And truth be told, the strategy worked because the mall occupancy rates are still around 95%. 
right? Between Fraser Centre Point and Capital Land. And in the next half a year, you probably should see rental yield return to normal and dividend distribution to come back to the usual expected standards. Okay, I'm also expecting the REIT prices to rise as a result of the increase in dividend yield from the 2020s low because that's kind of what a lot of people invest in REITs for, the dividend yield. So as dividend yield comes back um, because of rental yield coming back, then very high chance, you know, the REIT will reflect that increase in uh, dividend yield through uh, some sort of capital appreciation. That means the REIT become more expensive. Lah. And I think we cannot deny that, you know, going to the malls, it's a very um, intertwined part of the Singaporean weekend life or even the Singaporean life. Honestly, you come out the MRT, right? There's a mall. Every major MRT has a mall, right? And uh, some malls are bigger than others. Things like in Tampines, there are like three malls, right? Because in Tampines, it holds 5% of Singapore's population. So three malls, I think it's uh, relatively understandable. But from where I see it, the government will not give out land parcels to build shop houses anymore, right? Most of the time when they give out uh, land parcels, it will be for integrated kind of development and very, very big malls and only the big boys can really play this game, right? So for like a better way to put it, these neighborhood malls, uh, they are so intricate in our social lives and I really think it's very hard for you to build another mall next to some of these big malls because there's just no space already next to the MRT, so it's very hard to see another Clementine Mall, very hard to see another like Tampines Mall, very hard to see another White Sands. You know, it's just, it's just what it is. So given that the commercial spaces around a lot of these uh, heartland districts are dominated by the malls, then I'm expecting this intertwined relationship with the malls to continue to stay, right? And that's why I picked up some of these malls. And I know some people say retail is dying, which I don't deny. I mean, you see um, Robinson closing down, right? And um, you see like BHG, Isetan, all this no more already. But space is very interesting because as we have established that in Singapore, there's a limited space, right? The government keep telling you there's limited space. Um, what happened is that as all these BHG, Isetan, Robinson shift out, right? People like Decathlon, Jusco, you know, a whole slew new like makan places, you know. Uh, and of course, I'm benchmarking Funan Mall uh, because it's the future of malls. Um, and they, they, they all come in and take over their space. And if you actually gonna look at the breakdown, a lot of these uh, like big guys, right? Whether you say your Decathlon or whether it's your NTC, Cold Storage, they actually pay very little relative to the other small shops for rental space. But they form the anchor tenant, they bring in traffic. So as long as the malls can continue to kind of gather all these anchor tenants, you see some of these malls, um, very tialat one, because they're no, they don't have anchor tenants, right? They don't have the big cinemas, they don't have big supermarkets, they don't have the library, they don't have all these, you know, big-ass retailers in them, right? So for all the other guys that have these anchor tenants, um, they can continue to drive traffic, they can continue to command a very good rental, you know, yield and... As a REIT owner, you can continue to get very good dividend yield, right? So that's kind of where I see. Which brings me to my second theme that I'm investing using the REIT. It is the Southern Waterfront Development. And I will talk about that afterward from our sponsor. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think somehow you know that our port is shifting to Tuas. Okay, we will be unlocking all the space in Harbourfront, the southern waterfront, for other developments. And uh, the developments, we will expect predominantly luxury residential and uh, maybe some mixed development. Okay, um, either way, it will be predominantly residential. Like, in my view, why? Uh, because firstly, from a city planning viewpoint, we have already dedicated the whole of Shenton Way and Marina area for our CBD, uh, which is where most commercial activity will be centralised. And we love to centralise everything in Singapore. And there are some real benefits in centralised. I will not go there, um, but what you need to understand is I think there will be minimal commercial spaces or, or retail spaces in the southern waterfront. Limited new ones, okay? Commercial spaces will make limited sense uh, from a foreign capital viewpoint because for like a better way to put it, why are we unlocking this space in the southern waterfront? We want to bring in hot money from foreigners, lah. Right? We want all these guys from out there that have made money to come and buy residential property and you know bring their money into Singapore and continue to spur the economy as we manage their money. That, that's, that's about it, right? So on that note, you will realise that commercial spaces, they don't really make a lot of sense, especially in today's world. Right? Gone are the days of strata malls. Nobody sells strata malls anymore, right? So a lot of these commercial spaces will be developed and built by the big developers, Capital Land, Fraser, you know, CDL, and um, they're very much, you know, like how the mall management arrangement is done, right? They own the whole building and then they will lease out to different, different people, right? So the big developers will take on the whole project. And in that sense, uh, then there's no room for residential property, right? So there may be a chance that it will be a mixed development where at, at the bottom, you know, kind of like Badok Mall, kind of like Sengkang Compass 1, you know, those kind of places where downstairs the mall, upstairs the condo, and then they will sell, you know, upstairs and manage downstairs. And th that's kind of just how it is, right? So recognizing that in the whole southern waterfront, you know, from all the way from like the start of Vivo City, all the way to your Pasir Panjang, to your Telablanga, all the way down. Okay, if you ever drove down that road, all the way down, um, all the port will be, you know, moved away, right? And there'll be a lot of these kind of developments coming. So what I'm expecting will be population density in the southern waterfront to easily like go tenfold. Because at, at this moment in time, barely any development like Capel Bay, Reflections, uh, just a few, right? So if this whole area becomes residential, then very likely it's going to, you know, increase tenfolds and with more people means more business, more activity, right? And there is one read that is a possible monopoly in this part of the world. So if you drive down the whole harbour front Vivo City, you know, road, right, there's one read, okay? It's called Maple Tree Commercial Trust. They own Vivo City, PSA Building, Maple Tree Business Park, eh, almost every big building if you drive down this south, southern waterfront at this moment in time um, are owned by them, right? And all the bigger, fancier ones, like, essentially. So to capitalise on this potential new growth, and actually it's a very resilient read if you look into their financials, but I want to break that down today. Uh, but just on this theme of developing in the southern waterfront, um, I don't think I can own, you know, physical, uh, like, I don't think I can own residential buildings there yet. So because of this whole development, the next five to ten years, I am going to own the REIT, right? And I think there will be a lot of activity here. And why not just buy the REIT now? Of course, um, the REIT has also been sold down because 50% um, is Vivo City and then I think um, the rest is all like 
commercial space, right? So commercial retail has all been sold down as a result of COVID, but I do think all these spaces will come back up. Which brings me to the third theme that I'm going to invest with, and that is global supply chain shifts and the rise of end-to-end robot production facilities. And yes, the time of the Matrix is here. And clearly, you know you know which era I was born in. Huh? Either way, um, you get the idea that end-to-end robot production is very normal these days, right? It's, it's like everywhere. You have a few technicians, very little people on the supply chain. And you should continue to see more and more of these way of manufacturing um, happening in different sectors, beginning with things like pharma, you know, um, high-end manufacturing, you know, microchips, all those things. There. It's, it's already happening, right? But you're gonna, probably going to see more and more and more, right? So you're going to see robots taking over manufacturing um, like every other level of production. So robots have uh, gotten to a whole new level today and it's not very difficult to observe that. In other words, it also means that labour costs may no longer be the biggest concern and companies will look into costs of transportation, reliability of supply chain and if you you know, are interested in this space, you should probably read the DHL 360 Resilience Report. They're probably the largest, one of the largest global supply chain company and their report has talked about extensively about, you know, how supply chains are shifting all around the world. It is, there are many people are trying to shift away uh, from relying on China as their only supply chain. And so in their 2019 report, um, they state that about 30% of companies are thinking to shift their supply chains out of China and are considering ASEAN with Vietnam leading the pack at 11%. And even Singapore has about a 0.7% uh, consideration. So I think there is some value here because in Singapore, you know, we are like uh, the supply hub, right? And um, if you can manufacture things here or last mile manufacturing, then essentially you don't really need to have too complex of uh, supply chain management and you can cut down transportation cost. So however you see it, right, there will be more global supply chains um, centralised in ASEAN and in Singapore, um, which should have an increase in manufacturing activity uh, with the state-of-art robots. And, you know, uh, I don't think we'll bring in, man- like, you know, sewing and all those kind of stuff anymore, okay? But I, I'm betting on us attracting a lot of these high-end manufacturing. And so, because of that, I own this REIT called ESR. And that's the largest industrial REIT in Singapore. And I think they have made the news because of a failed merger with Sabana. But more importantly, I think industrial spaces are underappreciated here in SG, right? Of course, um, many Singaporeans think that uh, reit- industrial spaces are not needed anymore. Lah. We still produce anything, meh. Right, but as more and more people are shifting out and there's a new way of manufacturing, uh, I do think that we will be attracting and capitalizing on this shift you know, as a result of our port, automation, environmental friendly, um, low tax you know, uh, environment to operate out of. Right? So I think uh, we will be getting a lot more um, increase in manufacturing activity as we go along in the next 5 to 10 years. So yes, at this moment in time, you've probably heard me share four different reads that I own, right? ESR, Fraser Center Point, um, Maple Tree, uh, Maple Tree Commercial to be exact, and Capital N, right? And you ask me like, hey, Reggie, aren't you buying every single read in that case? I'm like, hey, no, 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 I'm not, right? I don't own uh, medical properties like hospitals, aging homes. I don't own data centers. I actually like data centers, but I don't like the ones that Capital owns, right? Because um, if you think and if you understand how data centers work, right, then 
you will look at companies like Equinix and you will look at uh, the much, much bigger kind of data center reads all over the world and not just uh, capital DC. Right? And of course, there are a lot of malls abroad, commercial, hospitality spaces. So I don't own every single read out there. Of course, you can. Um, I think you should if you have no idea of uh, how to invest in read, broadly diversify. But for me, I do take a little bit of joy and pleasure in uh, picking my own stuff, right? Uh, I may win some, I lose some. It's fine. Uh, for me, it's a journey. And as long as I continue to uh, make more than I spend, then, you know, I'm, I'm very good, very safe, you know. <laughs> and if you want to see the full portfolio, come on to the Telegram group and say, hey, Reggie, I want to see, right? And I will screenshot to you and I will share with you uh, what I'm buying and where I'm buying. And hopefully in five years' time, I will reach that 100,000 read portfolio and that gives me an average of about 6%. Then I'm good to go for life in uh, Malaysia. <laughs> So I'm going to sum up these three themes that I'm investing in uh, from a REITs perspective. The number one is the resilience of neighbourhood mall traffic in Singapore. Number two is the southern waterfront development. And number three is global supply chain shifts and the rise of end-to-end -end robotics uh, production facilities. So I'm actually very supportive of Singapore economy and I think uh, we have a good ride ahead of us, right? So I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our socials, sign up for our weekly newsletter, everything is in the description below. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have some interesting thoughts to share or you know someone that you want to hear more from, reach out to us through hello at the financial coconut. Com. With that, have a great day ahead, stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag, say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Test, test. Okay, awesome. Hope you learned something, uh, give you some ideas. Maybe um, you want to invigorate yourself with some thoughts about, you know, where do you want to put your money? But once again, it is for entertainment and education. It is not a recommendation by any means, right? And um, later this week on Thursday, I will be having a guest on and his name is not um, unheard of. His name is Searching, right? Uh, the author behind The Good Investor. And also um, the guy behind the Compounder Fund, right? So he's coming on to talk about how does he pick his stocks, right? When does he really buy these things? And is valuation important to him? When does he sell? And all those kind of stuff, right? So essentially, we're, get, we're getting him on to talk about stock picking and his uh, strategies and whatnot, right? And next week, um, 
I am gonna do a cutout of <laughs> of his interview. So whenever we we interview people, what happens is um, we have to talk out with them first, right? Like we enjoy talk out, warm them up first, so then they don't sound very weird. And sometimes during that talk out sing song time, we have very very good content, and for searching is especially good. So we decided to cut out <laughs> that whole part and make it into an episode, right? Where he comes on and talk about um, some of the random stock ideas that he has, right? And uh, Essentially, I think it's good enough to be an episode. So that's going to be it. And I can take a break for one week. Also, we have launched a new property podcast called The Coconut Avenue and uh, with guest starring Maureen Lee. You know, it's someone that's very popular on this podcast already. Um, for over the next three weeks, uh, every Wednesday, you should be able to hear her uh, more like uh, Maureen on uh, Coconut Avenue, which will be hosted by Troy, uh, my co-host. And yeah, it's, it's going to be really fun. We're going to talk about like property investing in uh, all around the world, but uh, we'll start with Singapore first. And essentially, we're trying to give you a better idea of what do you look out for in a property investment space, right? Because uh, we think it's saturated with sales-heavy advice, once again, right? So yeah, uh, sign up for Coconut Avenue and you know, um, stay tuned for the next few weeks of content. It's going to be real fun. Uh, investing is one of our favorite topics and I know it's one of your favorite topics. So yeah, stay tuned. Continue to support the podcast. Love you. See ya. Bye-bye.